This is the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where every week we unpack the big political stories. I'm Mike Siluma, and thanks for joining us. Last week, the Commission into State Capture, led by Chief Justice Raymond Zondo, delivered its fourth report into state capture. So, in this episode of the Politics Weekly, we reflect on the outcomes of the Commission's work and uh, we ask whether South Africa will ultimately be a better place after its uh, often shocking revelations. Uh, joining us for that conversation are Mawande Amashavalala, uh, who's the Sunday Times political journalist, uh, who has spent a lot of time uh, observing the goings-on uh, at the Commission, William Kumete, who's Associate Professor at the School of Governance at Wits University, as well, of course, as uh, Adrian Rue, who's a Senior Associate in Forensics at ENS Africa. With immediate effect. When people zone. And I quote, in two years' time, Eskim's problems will be a thing of the past. People won't even remember load shedding. Unquote. They put saliva on the paper. I'm in charge. That's why these fools are running around here. I'm in charge. And then they share that zone. Point of order, Jefferson. Point of order, ruling party by point of order. Must step aside within 30 days. No, I'm not going to apologize. He has no brains whatsoever. The AFP president was sabotaged again yesterday. Well, sabotage, that can be This is not a shit. Welcome to all of you. And Mawande, let, let us start with you, because you, perhaps more than any of us in this conversation, have observed the workings of the Commission for a while now. What would you say are the key takeouts from the, the latest report? Thank you very much, uh, Pramike. Well, there's a lot of takeouts, Pramike. What I can say that there is now a clear picture of uh, what went down during the Zumaias, if I may put it that way, uh, after four installments of the complete report of the Zondo Commission. And really what is appearing is a clear indication of uh, corruption that will become systemic in all uh, government departments and state institutions under the leadership of uh, former President Zuma, uh, which was mainly perpetuated by the Guptas. But what is also has become apparent is that state capture was not only a Gupta thing. It was all sorts of private interests. For instance, there's companies like EOH, that were also implicated. There's companies like Blackhead Consulting of the notorious Edwin Sodi of the Free State Asbestos and all other companies as well that were also implicated in this thing. So I think now it became apparent that the Guptas, although they were the main drivers as those that had at least the direct ear of the president, but there were other companies that had the ear of influential people in various government departments and within the ruling party itself, for instance, as it relates to the case of asbestos and Edwin Sodi, we, we see names like uh, current uh, President General of the ANC, Paul Mashatile, former National Spokesperson and current Deputy Minister of Intelligence, Zizi Gordo, who at the time both were not in government but were powerful individuals within the ANC. So the ANC, as it were, I would say the ANC is the main accused uh, over and above the head of the ANC at the time, which was uh, uh, President Zuma. And then, but the ANC as a whole that was led by him because he had allowed these sort of things to happen with impunity. So everyone had sort of, you know, joined the bandwagon. It was open season, as it were. And I think that that at least so far, uh, the Zono Commission report has been able to to reveal. Okay, so so we've had part four of the many voluminous uh, reports. Now, if you can help us, Mawande, to say 
process-wise. So the commission said, the commission is generating the, 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 the last of its reports. Where does the, the process go from there? In other words, once the, the Judge Zondo has done what he needs to do, is signed off with the president, where does the process go? Well, obviously, for Mike, what is important from these reports are the recommendations of what uh, Judge Zondo is recommending be done with uh, whatever stuff he has found. And, and I mean, the main finding really has been, uh, you know, a suggestion that uh, NPA must pursue certain individuals who are implicated. But remember, Bramaka, I think the mistake many people do is to assume that a commission on its own will actually find people guilty or otherwise. But that is not uh, how uh, commissions work. And a Zono commission has done exactly what it was supposed to do. It can only recommend. It cannot go better than that. And as to what the NPA does, because remember, NPA, if it pursues these individuals, those would be criminal, uh, you know, cases uh, where it must prove beyond reasonable doubt. But the main uh, recommendation really has been that the NPA and other law enforcement agencies must look into particular individuals who are named by their names. And I think then that's what uh, must happen going forward. But also then the question arises, what has the NPA been waiting for and all these other law enforcement agencies? Because most of the information, to be quite frank, uh, that uh, emerged at the Zono Commission was not new information. There's very little out of 100%, I may say 20% of the information was relatively new. 80% of the information has been in the public domain since at the very uh, you know, earliest, since 2011. So the, the NPA has had more than 10 years, but we can forgive them during the Zuma years to say that they themselves were part of these captured institutions. So they were sort of paralyzed. But what have they done? since the emergence of the new drone in 2018 up to now, which is four years, and they've done in the bigger scheme of things absolutely nothing else. Other than the asbestos case that is ongoing in court in the state, I don't remember any other case that has, uh, you know, the big fish, if I may put it that way. We are really, I'm sure South Africans are really tired of small fish being pursued while the people who are driving corruption in the country, mainly being politicians, are getting away with it. So I think that is what is going to be interesting. But me personally, my opinion, is that nothing is going to come of it. It's going to be, unfortunately, one of those, uh, you know, costly, uh, futile exercises, if, if I may put it that way. At least history is on my side in this regard. What happened to the recommendations of the Marigana Commission? What happened to the recommendations of the Serrate Commission and all other commissions before this one? So uh, I really have no hope, but maybe uh, this time around I'll be proven wrong. But uh, I guess the jury is out on this one. Uh, Professor Gumete, just to tease the process further, the, the president is supposed to table the report to parliament, isn't he? Um, yes, no, absolutely. Uh, that's where it's supposed to, uh, to go to, because remember, this, this is uh, an official commission, um, so it has to go to parliament. Um, and, and that's very important. But I mean, even having said that, this is also really has been a rather condemnation also of the ANC as a governing party um, also. So, I mean, the ANC was uh, on trial here. Um, so not only, not only government. Um, and the difficulty for us, of course, um, as South Africans is, you know, if a governing party has been implicated to such an extent as what we've seen now from the Zono Commission, um, it's almost impossible for that government to continue. Um, so I think the best way forward, most probably, um, really is um, for parliaments, most probably, to make a call on the dissolving government itself. 
because the, the, you know the ANC is the governing party and the ANC is implicated because you know it's a governing party and it's implicated it cannot um, prosecute itself one of the questions that judge zondo asked was uh, as you've just mentioned uh, where where was the ANC you know when all of these things were happening but another person might or might also say where was parliament when all of this was happening um, yes, um, I mean, Parliament is spectacularly absent. But I mean, you know, the way our electoral system, of course, works um, is that, you know, the governing party appoints its uh, MPs, handpick MPs, and so on. And these MPs, unfortunately, um, ANC MPs, uh, the last decades have been essentially been, you know, uncritical loyalists. So instead of playing their role of holding the executive accountable and holding the governing governing party accountable, um, that has not been the case. So this is also says also is also uh, damning um, by implication mm. uh, Parliament and Parliament's records. Adrian, I'd, I'd like to bring you in here, Adrian Rue. Mawande has said that he he's not holding his breath in terms of what my, what is likely based on our track record with commissions that he he's not holding his breath that much will come out of it by way of uh, of consequence or or consequences or corrective action and then he he says that he he also alludes to the general concern you know that the commission has done a whole lot of work it's had a whole lot of of, of evidence but we've had very little by way so far of prosecutions now what is the difference essentially between the work of a commission of inquiry and a for example a prosecutorial agency you know or the criminal justice system what is the connection that most of us are missing in terms of our expectations of the zondo commission Thanks, Mike. Um, and I mean, you, you can forgive Mwanda for being somewhat pessimistic. And I, I try to maintain a sense of optimism, you know, to, to keep us all sane. But um, perhaps, you know, just to your question, obviously, you know, the criminal justice system is, is adversarial in nature. Um, so if you take a typical case, you'll have the prosecution leading evidence essentially aimed at establishing whether it can be proved that there's guilt beyond reasonable doubt. And then obviously you'll have the defense team uh, bringing their side and obviously trying to prove the innocence of, of their particular client, the accused. So the a commission of inquiry, such as the State Capture Commission, can be distinguished in the sense that it's, it's essentially a fact-finding body. Uh, it's, it conducts itself in an inquisitorial manner, not an adversarial manner, and it, it itself investigates uh, the veracity of the facts with reference to its terms of reference. So I think that's an important uh, point of departure is that it's it's, it's typically got a broader mandate. It's, it's fact-finding. It's not narrowly focused at establishing the guilt of, of any particular person. Um, and I guess the key distinction there is obviously that the findings and recommendations which flow from uh, a commission of inquiries uh, reports, such as the uh, Chief Justice's recommendations, are not binding on the president. They're not binding on the MPA or any other person. They are you know, just that, recommendations. So I think that's an important distinction to draw up front. But perhaps also, I mean, there's, there's value in, in that distinction as well. I, I wouldn't see that as a limitation. And, and the value, to my mind at least, is that, you know, when you adopt a more open-ended inquisitorial process, you're far more likely to obtain a, a more comprehensive account of exactly what's gone on. And, and you're going to have a, a much broader set of facts at the end of it. And, and the proofs in the pudding with the, the Zonda Commission's report. I mean, we've got a very voluminous account of exactly what, what went wrong. And, and we don't have a focus just on any particular uh, wrongdoers or alleged wrongdoers. We've got essentially a roadmap or a, a comprehensive account of 
what is state capture, what was state capture, and what exactly went on there. So I think it is quite key to to draw that distinction, and there's there's certainly value there. And as well as that, you know, with with the commission of inquiry, and if you look at how the Zondo Commission has conducted itself over the the last three or so years, there's been extensive information sharing. You know, the the testimony of various persons and the recordings thereof have been uploaded uh, frequently. We've got transcripts, we've got supporting documents such as affidavits. It's, it's really a goldmine of information. And, you know, the public's been brought along with this fact-finding process. And again, you know, to, to my mind, there's a lot of value in that. Uh, obviously, there, there are some similarities with the criminal justice system and process, but not to this extent. And the the value that we have at the end of it is we've got this you know, huge account of, of what went wrong. And Obviously, there's now an expectation that prosecutions will follow, uh, but I think it's important to to take stock at this point as well and and celebrate you know what what we have. the The report is is a tremendous success to my mind, um, and you know the fact that we've we've got a a, a system that facilitates uh, the conducting of such processes and and the production of you know such an immense report. I think should be celebrated. Not to, not to say that we should stop there, obviously, but, um, you know, we should take the wins when we can get them. Mm. And as someone who works in the, in the, a lot in the forensics uh, field and, and looking at the amount, you know, just the sheer volume of information that, that the, the, the Zondo Commission has unearthed, do you believe that the state has the capacity to, to bring to book all the key players who've been fingered by, by Judge Zondo? So, so, Mike, I can't really speak to the capacity of, say, the NPA to successfully prosecute the, I think, 130 or so persons directly mentioned by uh, Zondo in the report. Um, but, you know, but what I can say is that it is obviously a tremendous task. Uh, and to build winnable cases against all of these persons, you know, it, it is no uh, small undertaking. So it is obviously a concern. Um, there have been, you know, positive steps. The uh, the NPA did establish a task force in, in March of this year, specifically focused on implementing uh, the recommendations and, and coordinating the response there too. So I think it's it's a bit premature to to conclude on on whether they can do it. Obviously, it, it is is a mammoth task, and I guess in a situation like this, rather than you know piecemeal ad hoc prosecutions along an extended period, we've now got uh, the hammer dropping now. Uh, with with a tremendous number of you know persons that have been um, you know implicated in the report, so it is a huge undertaking, um, and I guess we'll have to to see how the the NPA um, moves forward, and, and hopefully they do you know sufficient alloc- uh, resources are allocated uh, for that purpose. Mm. Hey, Mawande, you mentioned uh, in passing some of the people who are named by Judge Zondo, and some of them are like political heavyweights, if you like. Some uh, people who are very close to the president. What do you think is likely to be the impact, you know, on the president of uh, Judge Zondo's report, particularly in terms of people around the president or people in the ANC? Now, look, obviously, Mike, this presents a sort of a political conundrum for, for the president, as I say. For instance, there are people, of course, we had always expected uh, people who were associated with the former president to be implicated, and there's many of them as such, but very few people expected people uh, who are associated with the current president who are serving in the NC that he leads. And there's been a lot of them, uh, Mandashe, if I were to put some of them, was the current national chairperson and the minister in the cabinet, Paul Mashadira, I said, who's the treasurer general currently, 
Zizi Godo, who's one of the confidantes of, of the president. So the problem that it creates is that if there's any action that is taken, whereas uh, the, the reports are implicating all sorts of factions, if I put it that way, it w- the, the spotlight will be on the president to see if those that are close to him are implicated, which brings us back to the point that William was making earlier on to say, probably because now this has, has become apparent that it's not a faction thing, it's not a particular faction. The ANC as a whole, if this report is anything to go by, is incapable of governing, is incapable of being moral and ethical in how it governs. Therefore, probably parliament must dissolve the entire government of the ANC and we start from scratch. But then again, another challenge that you mentioned is that the ANC is the majority party in parliament with the majority of the MPs. So what are the odds that such a motion, even if it were to be moved, will ever pass? They are close to none because of the ANC majority, which it abused even during the Zuma years to, to enable and, 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 and aid state capture as it were, because parties, opposition parties to their credit, they, they tried their level best, just that they were suffocated. They simply didn't have the numbers to push through some of the things they wanted to be done to stop uh, the capture of the state by the Gupta family and other business interests. So it's, it's, it's that kind of a, a headache, a political headache. It's, it's, it's even a bigger headache, Mike, when we look into this year and the political events uh, uh, that are important this year within the ANC. We know in December we're going to the National Elective Conference where uh, President Ramaphosa is seeking a second term. Therefore, if he cracks the whip too much such that it, it even affects those that are supposed to lobby before him, to get that particular second term, then it becomes a, a headache. So he might well just fold his arms. A political strategy may well be to say, let me delay a bit, fold my arms, and uh, let my people who are also implicated in the state capture assist me in this particular program of a second term. And then only after getting the second term, which would be next year, start cracking the whip, which will uh, go uh, either faction, be it they are his allies, or his opponents. So I think that's the kind of headache he has. It's a big headache, which may well mean that we, we are likely not to see action at least until after the ANC elective conference in December. Mm. Professor Kumete, you know, often when, when we look at the commission and its work, the impression that one can, can get is that this is all about ANC corruption, about the, the corruption of the politicians. But it looks to me, from what, what has come out, that business was no small player in what was going on. What does that tell us, the, the revelations that come out of Zondo? What do they tell us about the nature of the relationship between business and government in South Africa? Maybe absolutely clearly um, the corruption is systemic across the society. I mean, and I, and I think that really for us as a country is the thing that we have to face uh, up to. So it's not just the ANC, but it's every part of business. I mean, including the trusted professions, you know, um, in every society where trusted professions, you know, whether it's lawyers, although some people will say lawyers, I don't trust the professions, uh, but there's, you know, um, your, your auditors, your medical professionals and so on, you know, these are the organizations. Um, so if you become a member, you um, you write an exam, I mean, there's standards that you have to uh, adhere to and so on. So that is why they are trusted. So even they have been involved um, in um, in corruption, and then also the banks, and so you know, there's been enablers with the legal profession, and of course with the auditing profession, have been enablers of corruption. Um, so really, what we will have to see is all of these different 
um, let's call it sectors, will have to do their own inquiries. I mean, the, the legal profession must do their own inquiry um, into their members to bring them, hold their members uh, accountable. And so too, also the auditing profession. And, and I would also say also the banking profession, because all of these professions have been enablers to make uh, the corruption possible. I mean, we will never have seen the kind of state capture unless the legal profession and the banks and the auditors also collaborated to make it possible. So in a sense, it's, it's not just the state um, that has been corrupt, but many of our uh, of the business sector clearly has almost became as corrupt as the state itself. Mm. Mawande, let me ask you this. Zondo spent, what, uh, about three years hearing evidence, and uh, I, I gather that the price tag for, for the whole exercise is approaching a billion, perhaps? How different would you say South Africa, or better, do you think South Africa will be at the end of this entire process? Yes, Mike. I don't, as I said, I mean, I'm not uh, the one who's too hopeful. I guess the, the expenditure is more than a billion. The, the billion part, the less than a billion was a long time ago, even way before the release of any report. Since the releasing of the report, I think, uh, it, 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 because there are costs uh, associated with the computation of the report. So I, I guess the cost is much higher, a billion rand. Then the question then becomes, will we get value for money? As a country, as I said, I, I don't think so. But I mean, the jury is out on that one. But there will never be any value for money, Bramak, if there is no serious and pointed uh, consequences for those that are implicated. And that must happen sooner than later. But as I said, because this we operate in this toxic political space of the ANC, which is mostly about its interests and the interests of its leaders. Such actions, even if they, are, they, they, they happen, they are most likely not to take place this year. I was going to ask Adrian, you know, to say just for, from, a, from the world of forensics and ethics, how, how much of a problem is corruption uh, in, 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 in business, would you say? Thanks, Mike. I just want to, I think, add quickly, if I may, to, to the prior question as well. I think, you know, to, to my mind, you can't really put a price on on the commission's work. And I think if you look to the the reparations which have already been made by some of the wrongdoers, I think it's probably paid for itself already. And, um, you know, in the event that hopefully everything is implemented and, you know, we do see some structural changes coming through, hopefully the preventative, you know, effect of, of the commission's work will also save money down the line. So, so that's one of the areas that, you know, for me personally, um, I'm not too concerned about. I think, I think it has, you know, conducted very valuable work and I think it will pay for itself. Um, to, to your question though, I mean corruption is obviously endemic. It's a significant problem not only in South Africa. And quite right, you know, to, to point the finger only at political parties or, or government bodies is unduly narrow. I mean, in any corrupt transaction, you've got the corrupter and you've got the corrupted. Um, so the corrupter, as we've seen, is often, you know, private bodies. And you know, to, to to frame the problem too narrowly and to only focus on reforms within the public sector is is going to miss half of the problem. Um, so absolutely, we we do need to have you know a lot of introspection in the private sector as well. Uh, industry bodies, private companies, all need to to look you know and and see what role did we play or or how can we what role can we play in preventing this happening in the future. 
So, so absolutely, it's, it's a problem that goes beyond the public sector. Yeah, Professor Akumente, the last word will go to you. How can we address the overall question, do you think, you know, of the back of the commission, the challenge of good governance and ethics? I mean, you said that corruption is pervasive in our society. What can be done about it or is it too far gone? I think the very first thing we need to do really is to hold people accountable. Um, so that we have to see prosecution. So that's really going to be the first thing that will turn the tide. Um, if nothing is going to happen, if nobody's going to be prosecuted, I think then we're not going to turn the tide and then we're just going to go further down into uh, a failed state. So that is really the most important thing to do. The second thing that we need to do is I think um, every sector of society will have to have a conversation about um, you know, good governance, um, whether it is in one's individual space, whether it's at a government level or in a private sector level, because clearly uh, what um, the Zona Commission have shown us is that corruption is across from government, political parties, but also in the private sector and, and also the trusted profession. So every part of society must have their own almost post-Zondo Commission inquiry. And I think that's going to be very important. So, um, you know, the sectors that have been implicated, the auditing sector, the legal sector, and the banks, they must institute their own inquiry and they, they must also hold people uh, accountable. And we must also see reparations from the private sector who have been involved in, in corruption. You know, they have to do something. They have to respond. They have to not only hold their own members uh, accountable, but they also have to respond in terms of reparations, paying back uh, to the public fiscus, paying back, um, to the taxpayers. And then, of course, at the same time, we have to see prosecutions uh, of the politicians, of those uh, public officials, and also business leaders involved in corruption. Mm. Unfortunately, we seem to have just about run out of time, and uh, we will wrap it here on the Sunday Times Politics Weekly for this week. And I'd like to thank our guests, uh, Mawande Amashabalala, who is a Sunday Times political journalist, uh, William Kumede, Associate Professor at the School of Governance at Vets University, as well as uh, Adrian Rue, who is Senior Associate in Forensics at ENS Africa. Uh, we really appreciate your time. Uh, I'm Mike Siluma. Until next time, stay safe, stay blessed.